Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Isaiah. Jeremiah, both inspired by the Spirit to say that Babylon is going down and will disappear off the map and be desolate in the future. And not even shepherds and flocks will hang out there. It will be a place of weird birds and wild animals. God is going to judge this commercial system. Now, yesterday, Saturday, I'm at home in my lazy boy recliner. I just thought y'all might want to know that. And I was thinking to myself, now, God, why are you so angry with a commercial system? I mean, a religious system, I can understand. I mean, because thou shalt have no other gods before me. The Bible's very clear. A religious system, yeah, I can understand that. But why, God, why are you so angry? Why are you so upset? Why are you so serious about a commercial Babylon? Well, because think about it like this. Commercialism is idolatry. (laughs) What do you mean, Rodney? Well, look, we think of idolatry as, you know, little statues that we carve out of stone or, you know, wood or whatever it might be. And we, we, you know, put the little statues. This is the way we think of idolatry. Little statues, candles, black robes, pentagram in the room. And, you know, we walk up to, this is what we think is idolatry. And you, you go to these idols and you present them fruit. And you, we worship you idols. We praise you idols. We honor you idols. Give us stuff idols. And, And this is what we think of idolatry. But listen, That's not necessarily idolatry to be included, yes. But listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. Idolatry is simply this. Whatever you make your master passion in life, that is idolatry. Well, now that opens up a whole new understanding of what idolatry really is. Whatever you make your master passion in life, whether it be your wife or your children or, or your home, the acquiring of things and materialism, whether it be education can be idolatry, sex, drugs, rock and roll, Elvis, all of these things can be idolatry. Anything can be an idol, anything that you put before God. Now, God is angry with this commercial system. Why? Because the commercial system is idolatrous. It's the love of pleasure and possessions. And it is as insidious and an insidious form of idolatry. And it's demonic in its origin and destructive in its outcome. Commercialism plays on the thirst and the desires of men, which will never satisfy The things of this world can never satisfy you. And God knows that. 
Things don't satisfy. You always want more. You never have enough. You got a nice house, you want a nicer house. You got a big house, you want a bigger house. You already have 59,000 square feet. But you want 60. Your house is so big, you got people living in it, you don't even know them. They live on the other wing. But you want more. You got a nice car, you want a nicer car. Things don't satisfy you guys. The world cannot satisfy you. Commercialism cannot satisfy you. Commercialism is like mind control. Commercialism makes you think, I need fill in the blank. Whatever it might be. It makes me think of some years ago, you know, every kid had to have a Cabbage Patch doll. You remember those bald head, ugly little dolls? Put some hair on, put an afro on that doll or something. That doll a weave or something. I mean, it, and every, oh, mommy, I'm never gonna be the same if I don't get a cabbage patch doll. You will wound me for life. You don't get me a cabbage patch doll. And so everybody had to have a cabbage patch doll. And then we heard about it in the news and in the newspaper. People were fighting and beating each other up to get a Cabbage Patch doll. We read it in the newspaper. Lady knocks other lady out for a Cabbage Patch doll. You gotta have one. Well, that doesn't satisfy. So then comes Tickle Me Elmo. Who comes up with these names? Tickle me Elmo. Well, you've tickled Elmo enough. That doesn't satisfy. And what happens now? We get Pokemon. And people are, I mean, literally, it's hysteria. People getting the Pokemon cards and trading for the Pokemon cards. And, you know, people are trading stocks and bonds for the Pokemon cards. And it's crazy. And it's commercialism. And these things will fade away. And Jesus knows that. The things of the world can't satisfy. And that's why I'm convinced when Jesus was standing at the well with the woman, I'm convinced that Jesus was pointing to the water in the well. And he was saying, if you drink of this water, he says, you will thirst again. He says, but the water that I give you, if you drink of it, you will never thirst again. What was he talking about? Jesus wasn't talking about the physical water. He was talking about the world system and commercialism and the things of this world. If you drink of the things of this world, lady, you'll thirst again. He says, but if you take, Jesus is the only one that can satisfy, amen? He's the only one that can satisfy you. That's why people get hooked on drugs, because they keep putting more and more and more and more, and they don't fill you. That's why people seek other relationships. They seek a better job, and they seek a better house, because the wells of the world cannot satisfy the thirst from the Spirit. Not possible. And Jesus knew that. And that's why he told that woman, what you drink of me, Material possessions can't satisfy. The reality is only Jesus can. Well, then notice in verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, 
Come out of her, my people. Underline that, would you? Come out of her, my people. Very interesting. Lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven. You see, God says enough is enough. I've had it up to here. What is here? Here is heaven. God says, I've had it up to here. I've had it. Your sins have reached to heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Rendered to her in verse 6. Just as she rendered to you. And repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed. Mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself. And lived luxuriously. Or in the King James. Deliciously. In the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. Notice this pride and this arrogance. It stinks to heaven. She says in her heart, I sit as a queen. And I am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day. Death and mourning and famine. And she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Now stop right there. Notice John says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Throughout the Bible, the people of God have been called to come out of the world system. In context, the Babylonian system. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 20, if you're taking notes, look it up in your own time. Isaiah 48, 20, go forth from Babylon and flee from the Chaldeans. Isaiah 52, verse 11, depart, depart, and go out from there and touch no unclean thing. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 8 through 9, move from the midst of Babylon and go out, because I will cause an assembly of great nations from the north country, and she shall be captured. And here God says, if my people take part in her sins, they will take part in her plagues. Now, in context, we know that this is being spoken to Christians, as I said, during the tribulation. Listen, God is so merciful and God is so gracious and loving and long-suffering, that even during the tribulation, people can get saved. There'll be people who get saved during the tribulation, period. And so, yes, we know in context that this is talking to tribulation saints, yet I do believe that the principle still applies to us today. The Bible tells us, don't get caught up in the world. Listen, if you're a Christian here this morning, young or old, whatever age you are, wherever place you are in life, don't get caught up in the things of this world. Don't, Don't get caught up in the things that the world tells you is important because the Bible tells us as Christians that we are to come out of the world. We're not to be a part of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. It was Jesus who said that we are in the world, but not of the world. 
Don't follow after the mindset of the world. Christians need to escape the world. It was Paul the Apostle who said it like this in Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That word re reasonable means logical. It means it makes good sense for you as a Christian to give your body to God as a living sacrifice, not a dead one, but a living sacrifice, it just makes good sense to do what God tells you to do. Christian, it makes good sense for you to live your life for Jesus Christ. Amen? It just makes good sense for you to say, Lord, here's my life. Sing the song. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. That just makes good sense. And Paul said it in Romans 12. He said it's your reasonable service. It just makes good sense. And don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world. J.B. Phillips' translation says it like this. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel squeezed into the world's mold. Have relationships like the world tells you. Have business partners and business practices like the world tells you. And don't, you know, don't do it God's way. Look, man, this makes sense. Do it this way. At school, hey, cheat on your test. Don't study, man. This makes sense. Look, let's do this. Let's do that. We're always being squeezed as a Christian. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to notice verse 6. You could write this in your Bible next to verse 6. It, this is simply, verse 6 is simply the law of retribution. The law of retribution. In other words, somebody once said, what goes around comes around. And what you do to others will come back to you. You'll reap what you sow. In this case, it is doubled. Exodus chapter 22, interesting, double restitution was required for cases of theft. Very interesting, God is saying to this woman, you're a thief. The same measure she glorified herself is the same measure she will be tormented. She says, I'm a queen, I'm not a widow, I need nothing. Therefore, in verse 8, God is going to judge her. Notice that was God's perspective, the divine perspective. And notice in verse 9, the human perspective. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city of Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour. I want you to note in your Bibles as we finish up here, how many times one hour and no more or any more appears in these next verses. Alas, alas, the great city of Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. The kings of the earth who have committed fornication with her will stand away from her, not wanting to be tormented with the same torment that Babylon is being tormented with. And notice they stand at a distance. Now many scholars believe the city will be destroyed by an atomic bomb. And people stand back for fear of the radiation and they marvel. And, and this all happens in one single hour. 
The kings will stand back and say, what a shame, the great city of Babylon. And the merchants will weep and mourn, not for the city, but for the fact that no one buys their merchandise. Very interesting. Notice in verse 11, and the merchants of the earth will mourn, will weep over her, for no one buys their merchandise. This is an amazing verse. Merchandise, now here it is. We'll spell it out for you. What's their stuff? Here it is. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things, in verse 15, who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance. And they cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads as mourning and lamenting. And they cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, too bad, the great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour, again, she is made desolate. Notice that the merchants are weeping because they're sad not for the people, not for the lost lives, not for the lost friendships, not for the, the loss of lives, but they're sad because of the loss of merchandise. They weep because their economy is doomed with the destruction of Babylon. This world, our country, America. Did you know that 97% of the world 97% of the world is poorer than Americans. In other words, Americans are wealthier than 97% of the world. Even if you're on welfare. Even the poorest of poor in our country is considered wealthy in many countries today. I had found a statistic. I can't read you the whole thing because I'm getting out of time here. But in 1998, it was said of Michael Jordan that he made $300,000 per game. Is that unbelievable? And considering the $40 million in endorsements, he would make $178,100 a day, whether he works or not. In other words, Michael Jordan could sit on his couch and eat Doritos and make $178,000, I'll never make that in a lifetime. Unbelievable. You go to the movies and pay $7 to see a movie, while 
Or he goes to the movies, pays $7 to see a movie. While he's watching that movie, he will make $18,500. He makes $7,415 more than minimum wage. He makes $3,710 while watching an episode of Friends. If he wants to buy a $90,000 vehicle, he can buy it. He'll have to save up for 12 whole hours. Is that incredible? If you were given a tenth of one penny for every dollar he made, you would be making $65,000 a year. Unbelievable. While the common person is spending 20 bucks for a meal in his trendy restaurant, he at the same time is making $5,600. Now, get this. You might say to me, Roddy, look, I'm not a sports guy. I don't get into all the sports and all the athletics. I'm a computer geek. Well, get this, Michael Jordan would have to save up 100% of his income for 270 years to have a net worth equivalent to Bill Gates of Microsoft. I guess it is true, nerds rule. <laughs> I guess that's true. But whether you're talking about sports or, or the sports guys or computer people, it's crazy, the vast materialism and people consuming more and more on themselves. And God looks down from heaven and he sees this commercial Babylon and God says in one hour, it's all going to go up in smoke and they stand back and they weep. Here's the picture. The picture is these guys are standing like outside of a mall. And they're looking as the mall is burning and they're saying, oh no. Where will we shop? It's like when South Point came to town. All the ladies are like, Nordstrom's, yeah, baby, Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's. Belks, Lord and Taylor's. And it's like here, this, this list, this litany of merchandise is like department store floors, if you will, or departments. Department one is affected jewelry and gold and silver and precious stones. Department two, clothing, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet. Department three, the home furnishings department, kitchenware, vessels of precious wood and marble. The fourth department, which is cosmetics and perfumes in verse 13. And then the fifth department, my favorite department, Fine foods, <laughs> wine and oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle. That's filet, y'all. That's T-bone steaks and sheep. Department six, automotive, horses and chariots, Broncos and Mustangs, oil changes. And they see the department floor after floor disappearing. The economy has collapsed and the world is saying, oh no, our economy. And then most disturbing of all, the slaves and the souls of men, the merchandising of people. How sad it is. The kingdom of the Antichrist is not going to hold back in all of its pursuit of pleasure and luxury. And God isn't holding back at all in his judgment upon them. Notice the reaction in heaven in verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone and a great millstone, and he threw it in the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found, notice, anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutes, trumpeters shall not be heard in you, what? Anymore. No craftsmen of craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of the millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. 
You can't even buy a candle. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. And by their sorcery or drug use or witchcraft, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all of who were slain on the earth. In contrast to the wailing kings and the merchants, there's going to be rejoicing in heaven over the fall of a God-hating, Christ-rejecting Babylon. And then notice how many times the word anymore is repeated. In verse 21, Babylon and all she stood for is no more. The industry and the craftsmen, no more. Weddings, no more weddings, no joy, no happiness, no more. The global economy will crash and burn and the false church destroyed. Babylon will never rise again. And the pride and the presumption and the perversity of Babylon no more. In other words, sin city is gone forever. And thank God it doesn't stop there. Chapter 19, I love it. Read ahead. Read ahead. The kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.